since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. All right, you guys, today I have Michelle from Recovery is the New Black, which how amazing is that name? She's that on Instagram. That is her website. She is a breath of fresh air. She shares her rock bottom story. I I love how she crosses over from AA to then also talking about the Sober Curious movement. She's just so inspiring. I love that she's an alcohol and drug counselor. That is her real job. She also does a coaching thing for people who want to really explore their relationship with alcohol and if they're sober curious. You guys, I keep having amazing conversations with amazing women, and this was definitely one of those. I think you will love it so much. Don't forget, come and join the Sober Mom Life group on Facebook if you want to connect with other sober and sober curious moms. That is the place. No boys allowed. It's a very safe space. I look forward to seeing the posts I, every morning when I wake up. It's the first thing I check. I'm like, what What are the moms up to today? It's just they're so supportive and inspiring, and I love it so much. Also, I have merch. Guys, I have merch. I'll link it in the show notes. We have a Sober Mom mug. We have a No More Anxiety mug. I'm going to be making more, too. There's some cute Sober Mom tees and a hoodie. A lot of good stuff, guys. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Michelle. All right. We're here, Michelle, from Recovery is the New Black. I am so glad you're here. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know. And you're all rested from your vacation. I mean, as rested as you can be from a vacation when you come back home to the craziness. Yes. I'm telling you, though, that sober vacations never get old. Oh, my God. That is literally I thought about that because we just got back from Laguna Beach and I was like, I told my husband, I was like, oh, my God, do you know what a sober vacation feels like? It feels like a vacation. Like, it feels like, oh, this is how vacation is supposed to feel. Absolutely. Not the uptight anxiety when you wake up in the morning. And I used to have these like really strict itineraries. We have to get this done. We have to do that. And I was like, let's just roll with it. Yeah. You know, let's just see what we want to do and, you know, what the weather looks like and what we're in the mood to do. And just that sense of ease, not only for myself, but the pressure it takes off my husband and my children. Oh it's my God. huge. 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 And then you can see how you feel and you can actually know how you feel because you're sober. So you're so in tune with your body and you're like, oh, I know what I need right now. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, let's, before we get into everything, I want you to kind of introduce yourself, tell us all all about you, and then we'll go into your drinking story before we go into all the sobriety goodness. Yes. So I am Michelle. I'm the founder of Recovery is the New Black, which is a digital community for women, especially mothers who are living or exploring an alcohol-free life. And I do that just nationally. I'm starting to do that internationally, speaking on stages, writing books, really recovering out loud because I know what it was like of living in secrecy, isolation as a person that had a really high profile public position for 20 years working in the government field. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, you know, it's like professionals aren't supposed to, you know, have substance abuse problems or mental illness. And, you know, which we'll get into later of doctors and pilots and lawyers and teachers, this disease does not discriminate and nobody is immune. So not only is it a stigmatized and taboo topic, but it's also that extra layer of, wait, we're, you're a professional that we're entrusting in and we have to know that you're healthy and stable. And so, you know, really trying to get the message out as as simple as possible, but not also my goal is to not ever, ever, I'm never anti-drinking. I always say I am pro sobriety because I don't want people to get intimidated by that because what comes to mind is always, oh, well, you're just an alcoholic or you can't handle your booze. You're a buzzkill. And it's like, you know what? This is like this ladder or this elevator of addiction. And I can get off at any level or any floor that I want to. I don't have to wait for this rock bottom. But when I get into my story, you know, I had multiple rock bottoms that you think that I would surrender and my life would have changed forever. And it didn't. Yeah. And so that's my miss. Like my mission and my message is simply to empower women that motherhood is really, really hard. And we're told that drinking helps. And that wasn't my truth. It really made things a lot harder and heavier in my life. And so for me to be that person that says, you know what, I'm going to pass on booze tonight. I hope that that empowers another person to say, I'll take a Diet Coke with a lime as well. Yeah, And just to see that there's just so much more to life. And so that's, as you can tell, what I'm super passionate about, what I've gone to school to do, what I've been educated in, and goes to show that I can tell you exactly what to do to stabilize mental health and not to fall into the disease of addiction. And I did. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, there's so much there. Okay, so if you want to open up about your drinking story, and did you go to AA? Like, let's talk about all of that too, because I think I always think that's so interesting. You know, kind of my stance on AA because I it just doesn't resonate with me. But then I, yeah, I have so many questions about it. So, what's your kind of drinking story before you realized, holy shit, you know, this is becoming a problem? Right. It really just started when I became a mother. To be honest with you, I was treated to the hospital as I had my daughter with eight bottles of of liquor and it was wine and champagne. Wow. Yeah. The message was 
motherhood is really hard and drinking helps. Yeah. I come from a really long line of alcoholism. And so I always, I grew up knowing that I had the perfect example of what not to be. And so that really kept me on the straight and narrow, wanting to excel, wanting to outlive a lot of my family members that died to the disease of addiction. And so there wasn't a lot of education. My mom would tell me, if you drink and drive, I'm not going to bail you out of jail. Okay. (laughs) That was a hard line. So that was kind of her little talk, right? And so it was just like, you know, they were a bunch of doctors and it was very much, we're going to keep this quiet. You know, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. And so it just really kept them sick into their disease. Yeah. And so that was kind of the memo and the message I got growing up. And so fast forward to having children and this idea of what motherhood, modern day motherhood looks like. I would scroll through social media as it was becoming a thing in like 2000. Oh, it was 09. Okay. And it was Pinterest, everything. It was these curated homes and these matching children's outfits. And oh, yes. It was just like, I'm like, I am trying to learn how to breastfeed. My mom just died as I'm becoming a mother. Oh, no. My husband goes to war. I didn't know I had postpartum depression at the time. I was literally felt like I was at my lowest, darkest, loneliest moment in time. Yeah. And so as I'm scrolling these social media feeds, I'm seeing that, oh, it's wine o'clock and yoga and wine. And this is a great coping tool to take that stressful, rough edges off this hard day. And you're searching for anything, right? You Anything. Anything, like anything to make it easier and to just take that edge off and... Yeah. So you can totally understand why, you know, that's what caught you. Yep. And it's this vicious cycle that it's, you know, it starts out, any addiction starts out super, super small and very innocent. You know, it was a glass of wine. Oh, you can pump and dump and, you know, the whole spiel. Yeah. And eventually it's like, well, you know, today was really hard. I think I'm going to do a glass and a half. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to use the rest out of this cooking wine that I'm marinating my chicken in. And it just continues to escalate. And what I noticed in hindsight, looking back, is that what I was doing is I was obviously replacing natural coping tools with the bottle. And it was so much easier than taking a break and going for a walk and decompressing. Right. You know, insert a few years and I was starting to drink so much that people were starting to notice and say, Hey, you know, I think your drinking's escalating. What do you, what do you think? How do you feel about talking to your doctor? So who was saying that to you? Who around you? Was it your husband? Was it who kind of noticed first? Like, wait a second. Great question. It was, it was my husband. Okay. It was my mother-in-law, my two sisters, and a couple coworkers. Okay. I mean, that's pretty amazing and incredible that you have such a village that felt comfortable enough to talk to you about it, I think. Yes. Because I think a lot of stories, there isn't someone who steps in kind of, not that it was early, but before it's, you know, you're losing everything. Right. The only problem was, is that I was in denial and I became resentful because how dare you tell me about my drinking? Um, doing the same thing. And, you know, obviously I wish I could go back and have a different attitude and mindset, but when we start to, you just weren't ready. Yeah. And when you fall into addiction, you're going to protect it at all costs and you're going to minimize it. And that's what I did. And that was the turning point to where it really went downhill really quick, because if I didn't want to hear people nagging at me, I'm not going to do it in your presence. So I'm going to start secret drinking literally in my closet, hiding bottles, but you can't hide behavior. Right. Right. And so my extra walks during the night was as I would stash bottles in, you know, bushes and trees at my park. I mean, just the craziest places where I knew what I was doing was not okay, but I just didn't know. I didn't think I was that bad to go to somewhere like Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't want to go to treatment. I didn't think it was that bad yet. And I didn't want to lose my job. Yeah. You're just in this place where you're like, I'm a relatively intelligent person. I'm educated. I'm strong in a lot of areas. 
why can't I get this right? Why is this thing having such a hold on me? And so what you did get, it, it was to that point where you were saying, I know I'm drinking too much. Were you physically addicted? I Yeah, I would say that I was, you know. And so you kind of knew, you were like, I know I'm drinking too much, but I just either don't want to stop or don't know how to. And like that AA thing, it's like, is that what I have to do? Like, do I have to declare myself an alcoholic, right? That's a That seems like a big step. Big, huge. When you're still trying to sort it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I was, is I was like, well, what do I can figure this out on my own? And I can figure out that there's a third door to moderation. You know, and I just right. stayed on that hamster wheel and it's like, the devil and the angel. I'm feeling really good. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to hit the gym. By the time five o'clock came around, all that went out the window. Yeah, It was just like, I am at the store. I've been hijacked. I know what I'm getting. No phone list, no meeting, no friend is going to stop me. Right. I really struggled with the whole spectrum of normie to alcoholism. And where do you go? Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Yeah, right. Was there a rock bottom that it was like very clear to you and everyone else like this has to change or was it kind of an inner knowing of, okay, I think, or was it both? It was both. For me, I tried Alcoholics Anonymous initially and, you know, for me just declaring that I was an alcoholic when I didn't truly believe it and really seeing, of course, the resistance of, I'm not going to look for the similarities. I'm going to look for the differences and this hasn't happened yet. And I haven't lost my kids or my job or my husband or my self-respect completely where it's like, I felt like there was just two buckets and I had to choose. And so my rock bottom, which I think everybody's is so different. Me ending up in the hospital four times with fatal alcohol poisoning when I worked at that hospital. So my team that I work with is hovered over me. Oh, wow. Trying to save my life. And it's like, not only did my two worlds just collide, But you would think that this is the moment that I surrendered and that I decided that my life was going to be forever changed. And I wish that I could sit here and tell you that that was my truth. Yeah. And it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I did end up going to treatment, inpatient treatment, and I had the privilege and the honor of being able to do that, which a lot of people can't. Yeah. Of course, fought it tooth and nail. I can't leave my kids. Yeah. You know, I'll lose my job. Well, Michelle, you're going to lose your job if you don't go. Right. And so you just kind of, the more you, more I drank, the more I saw the evidence and the proof that this is having a hold on me more and more and more because nobody could tell me what my relationship with alcohol was like until I saw this for myself and I wanted change to occur. So when Child Protective Services got involved and they're like, you are neglecting your children. Yeah, I understand that you're a great mom, but you're under the influence when you're caring for them, which means that's neglect. Mama Bear came out real quick protecting my kids. I am a great mom. I need to get my stuff together. Okay, so was that the final straw? That was the thing that that made you say, okay, wait a second, it's time? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, that didn't stop my drinking again. But each of these things led to this moment that people just wait for this epiphany. And it's like, it's all these little things that are like connected that just lead to one day. It's like, people will say like, it's been lifted or I've surrendered or I've given, you know, my power over to somebody else. And for me, I literally woke up the day of Thanksgiving in 2016 and said, I'm done. I will never ever have another drop of alcohol ever again. Wow. And it was nothing significant. I wasn't going to wait for a Monday or a new year or a new month or dry January or dry July. It was literally, this is significant because this is the day I'm taking my life back. Wow. I got chills. I I, I always (laughs) love these, you know, everyone's story is so different. Everyone's sobriety is different. Everything that they get out of it is different, but this is probably the common thread is that moment. And it's always like leading up to that, like, I know it's coming, but I, it just like, I love hearing it. I get chills every time. It's so interesting that it is kind of, it sounds like it's like little building blocks up to that moment. And so it's not the earth shattering event that kind of makes you stop right there, but that is a really big building block to get up to that moment of that inner knowing of, oh, I'm done. Yep. 
And, you know, I was told by somewhat, somebody wise in the, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous that, you know, with the time you walk into the rooms and the, the time it takes you to get into inpatient treatment and leave, like wherever it takes, right? It is literally you're hearing the same thing. It's the only difference is, is you're ready to hear it. You're ready to embrace the fact that my life is better without alcohol in it. And it is costing me more than it is providing me. And there is nothing healthy that this substance is doing to better my life, my mental health, or my family structure. And those are the questions I'm so empowered to ask people because putting yourself into a box and and getting a label attached to your forehead is very stigmatizing to people. And it makes you feel small. Yeah, I am absolutely an alcoholic. I can admit that. I do participate in Alcoholics Anonymous at some level, but I have so many other multi-factors that I call pathways to recovery and patchwork that depending on the season for me is what I'm needing more of, whether that's mental health or, you know, religion or, you know, whatever it is that keeps me motivated to living my truth and showing up to live my best life. So that's going to look different. But, you know, I think it's just that moment that you're ready to hear. You're seeing the impact that this substance is having on you and the people that you love. And people like you and I were saying, you know what, for the health of it. Right. You don't have to drink, you know, and having the Cancer Society come out, the American Cancer Society, no amount of alcohol is good for you. So these doctors are not going to say a glass of wine is great for you. And if they do, run. Yeah, stop. Just stop. It is like cigarettes in the 50s, you know? <laughs> it's going to be like in 20 years, hopefully not that long. But people are going to look back and be like, oh my God, how did anyone ever think that alcohol was good for you? Like, that's just not, yeah. And so I'm so fascinated by the AA of it all because I've never set foot in an AA meeting. And, you know, I <laughs> I get a lot of shit. <laughs> But I just, and you said like with the stigma of a label and it makes you feel small. And I think that as women especially, and as moms especially, we know what feeling small feels like. I mean, I have known that as a woman and as a mom. I think as a mom, we're put last on the list. Everyone, like our needs as moms feel very small, (laughs) everybody else's needs come first. Like we are just last on the list by design. That's kind of how it's supposed to be, even though that's not good for us. And so like that is always kind of what I struggle with the idea of AA. And I I don't think I would be as outspoken about it as I am if I didn't get so much pushback from, and it's generally men in AA calling me a dry drunk because I'm not working the steps and just wait, you're going to drink again. And so it's that. And I know you kind of have that from the message that you share on Instagram. Like I see we're kind of aligned in that idea of not putting ourselves in boxes of labeling and the stigma. And so how do you kind of grapple with that as you're in those rooms? Yeah. How does that work? I want to know. You know, I mean, it's so different depending on which meeting you go to. And I think that's why AA has such a bad, I mean, for multiple reasons, people struggle with it. But one of them is if you don't like one of the meetings or go to a different one, because they're never going to be the same. Okay. But a lot of people are going there with an open mind or have been there for so long that literally that was the only program that was available to people. And you waited for that rock bottom. So everybody that had a seat earned it, deserved it, and was an alcoholic. Yeah, right, 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 right. There wasn't anything else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember going into my first AA meeting, and I was drinking in the bathroom and went in there. And this guy is just like, if you don't stop, you're going to die. And I'm going to pretend that there's like this 40 in a bag right now. If you don't stop, this is going to be your your drug of choice, your drink of choice. And at this time, I'm drinking top shelf, you know, all the good stuff, right? The $30 bottles of wine and the dirty martinis. And there's no way I am ever going to hit a brown paper bag going to the mini martyr gas station. That's where Michelle ended up doing. 
we write. So it's like eventually, if there's no intervention, there's no education, there's no community or support, yes. our addiction usually will continue to take us all to the same place. Totally, because it's an addictive substance. Like right. you, you use it long enough. We'll become addicted. Right, anybody, yes. Yep. So with this whole series, Sober Curious Movement, this is where it's like insert education, awareness, having people say, you know what, it doesn't feel good to me, not I'm tapping out because I can no longer handle it. And that's the difference. Or because I have to. Yes. And I do, I, you know, I totally respect AA for people who, like you said, who needed it, who that was the only thing that was there for them. I think that, and it, it's generally men who are now, they don't understand this kind of like middle ground of catching people, giving people a soft place to land before that rock bottom. And so like we've kind of inserted ourselves up here as like, I don't even know if I'm a sobriety influencer, but whatever the term is, yeah, that we're kind of like, okay, guys, you know, here's here's a soft little hammock that you, that you can land on before you go down there. And they're just kind of like, hold on. Wait, wait, what are you doing? Okay, so you're not a real, right, you don't really have a problem. It's like, well, you're missing the point. Exactly, exactly. And there's a softer place to land, which people can have conversations way earlier. And for you and I both, having conversations about the dangers of alcohol is absolutely alcohol prevention. Yeah, That's what it is. And we are showing people that it's okay. You don't have to wait. Right. And so when we're talking about people who identify with Alcoholics Anonymous or who identify like me as an alcoholic, it's like, you can't have a soft place. You can't just kind of right, have one right. foot in. Right. It's like, for me, when I say I'm Michelle and I'm an alcoholic, like what I am meaning by that, what resonates with me is that if I pick up, I'm going to die. I have to remember that this is poison because if I convince myself that it's something different, I'll go back to drinking. Right. And that's that's what I have to take away with it. Yeah, that makes total sense. And and this idea that it is personalized. And some people do like, that's a benchmark for you. You know what I mean? Like that's a, yes, this is, it's kind of a, like a guidepost. Like the, I'm an alcoholic and this is what that's telling me and that's working for you. And I think that that's wonderful because I, I do think it's whatever works for somebody. I, I can't remember who said it. They were like, if standing on your head in the corner for, you know, two hours a day helps keep you from drinking alcohol, do it. <laughs> like, do it. Yeah. Whatever works for one is not going to work for the other. And, you know, just, again, having that soft approach of just, here's a podcast, here's a book, you know, here's a news article, here's this gal on Instagram that is just killing it on, on sober vacations and has the, you have the trendiest, most amazing clothes and ideas. And it's like, you're making sober look amazing, sexy, fun. Moms are like, I want to be, I want to do more of what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm also like, if they can glamorize alcohol, I'm going to glamorize the hell out of sobriety because sobriety is way more glamorous than alcohol. P.S. You had the most amazing post. I can't remember. I was talking about it with someone and I had just pulled it up. You said, and this was so good on your Instagram, recovery is the new black. You said, Okay, have we ever seen an intoxicated person in an alcohol advertisement? Are they ashamed of their customers? That is so good and so fucking true. When they're glamorizing alcohol, those people are not drinking alcohol. They're not. And the, and the, the commercial, the Netflix series, the movie, it stops when the party yeah. is about to be over. It doesn't show the mom wrapping herself around a telephone pole. Totally. That doesn't sell, right? It's not, we're not going to get into that part of, of what really happens. We're just going to stay here. Or even just like puking her guts out or nursing her baby drunk. All, all of those things I've done, not the telephone pole, but the baby in the, in the toilet. <laughs> like that's the reality of like telling moms that, you know, the answer to their stress is in the bottom of their wine glass. Like that's that's what happens. I, I totally love what you're doing. Okay. So tell me now, sober Michelle, sober, bright, lovely, gorgeous Michelle, how has sobriety changed motherhood for you? Because I think your story is really interesting in that like motherhood was kind of the catalyst for you to start drinking. And so you had the full idea of what drinking during motherhood looks like. And so now what does sobriety in motherhood look like? 
such a great question. You know, the, the simplicity and the ease that it has provided me is priceless. My lack of needing to stay in control has de-escalated. My anxiety has gone down. My hope and my willingness for so many things in the future have improved. I mean, my depression, I mean, there's, I mean, there's everything, but the most important part is that the presence, that's all my kids want is for mom to be present. And for me just to say, you know what, I'm closing my laptop down at five o'clock, switching my roles to mom mode, not feeling like cooking tonight. Like I used to cook those five course meals that nobody eats. Yeah, I'm going to have food delivered and I am not going to shame myself for this because it's more important for me to have a little bit of psychological energy left to provide that love to my kids than it is to wrestle with cooking, right? And triggering myself. Yes. So it's like, you know what? Priorities are going to change. And like we talked about modern day motherhood, we are not expected or we get to pick and choose. Do you work? Do you raise your kids? A lot of us, I know both of us, you do it all and you are expected to do it with a (laughs) smile on your face (sighs) and without complaining. And at the cost of what? For me, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, addiction, we cannot do it all. It is impossible without losing ourselves. No, don't even try. Oh my God. I'll do, I I can't, like if that's ever asked of me, like how do you do it all? It's like, I so don't. I don't even do like, no, <laughs> I don't even try. Yep. And especially when we're raised in a, I was raised in an environment where it was just perfectionism yeah. and people pleasing. And so for me to ever use my drinking money in a different fashion of, I'm going to put this stuff in a mason jar to see how much I save. I ended up doing two things with it. I got a meal service for a couple days a week to have meals. Amazing. And I had a house cleaner and I'm like, I feel like I'm judging myself. This is snooty. No, this is no, all no. the things because I can clean my own toilets. But, you know, it's a yeah, it's a trade-off. It's like, you know what? If this allows me five more hours of somebody else cleaning and helping me do the deep cleaning of my house that I can have that time with my children, I'm going to do it because I'm going to get judged regardless if I'm drunk yeah. or if I'm having a house cleaner. Like, it, it doesn't matter anymore, Michelle. You have to allow people to just be who they are and say what they want because I can't change their minds. They're going to like me or they're not. I cannot with the Karens. On, I'm battling a few right now. I, I cannot with the Karens online. No, it, all of those people, all of the, like our housekeeper is one of, like, she's like family to me. We've had her for like 12 years. She's a part of my village. Like she was the one who was here when I had to go into labor with my, with my third child, you know, like our nanny who's downstairs right now, who is allowing me to even be up here in my closet to speak with you. Like I don't do it all. Someone helps me with my kids. Someone helps me with my house. Someone helps me with our dog, everything. Like we need help. And that takes strength right there. That's not you being lazy. That's you knowing, right? What you can do and what ban- what you have the bandwidth for, because totally, that's what's more important is you being present and you being healthy for the for the kiddos and the family than anything else. And I think just allowing ourselves permission to say, I can't do it all. I'm not supposed to. That's not my job. That is something that we have ingrained in us from years and years and years ago. Yeah. And this day and age, things look a lot freaking different. And so. Yeah, a lot different. And I, I think like if I had one message to moms, it's like, let yourself off the hook. Like you got to let yourself off the hook because I don't know who we're comparing ourselves to, like what generation supposedly did it better or who were more present. Like I would say the last generation, maybe, yeah, they probably weren't on their phones. They didn't have phones. They didn't have the technology, but they also like ended up like my parents got divorced. People can only give so much. Like you cannot give 100% of your time. You can't give 80% of your time to your kids without something, something's got to give. And so like when I'm, if I'm like scrolling or something or like playing Wordle on my phone, like it's okay. It's okay. It's a long game. It's, it's the, I'm in it for the long haul. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think get the village. Yeah. Because we all need one. 
all of us. And there's no badge of honor that goes along with doing it all alone because we're not meant to do this whole thing alone. And there's just, you know, within motherhood, especially within the sobriety community, there's so much, you know, there's so much tension between the same people and the same team, but how you choose to do it, co-parenting, you know, it's like the bottle versus breast and the co-sleeping versus not. And it's like, Oh my God, if your kids are happy, like who cares? Like stop judging each other. There's no room for this. This is life and motherhood. It's hard enough. Hard enough. It's good enough. That's my mothering philosophy. That's like my life philosophy. Good enough. Like, are they, do they feel loved? Are they clothed, maybe not even clean, but they're clothed. Like, are they happy? Sometimes, not all the time. Right. Good enough. Yep. Like it just is. And for, as a mom, that's what, like when you talk about like being present, you know, just being there, that's what they want. And so I think that moms don't even realize that when you are like reaching for that glass of wine, and this is not a shaming thing. I'm never looking at moms and judging them for drinking. I'm just not because why wouldn't they be drinking? They need an escape. Moms need help. And they're taught that that helps. And so of course, of course they're drinking. But that does add an extra layer in between the mom and the child. It just does. That's what alcohol does. It removes you from the situation, but not in a good way. Like it it doesn't help. It makes a headache. It makes you more irritable, more anxious, all of the stuff that we need help with just makes it work. It does. Well, and you know, when I ask people in my professional, you know, side of my career, I'm just like, you know, why do you drink? Why do you use, you know, because this can be our vice can be anything. It can be smoking, sex, gambling, nicotine, alcohol, Coke, sugar, sugar's huge. Oh, sugar, me. It's just like, why do you do what you do? Because how are you going to change patterns that are destructive and are not serving you? If you don't know why you do it in the first place. Yeah. And I, I lost sight of why I was picking up. I just knew that I needed it. It feels good, right? Right. You want that hit of dopamine and it does the trick. And that's what it's like. Okay. So you're not drinking because you're thirsty because you're thirsty for things you can't drink. And if you want to go out on a 90 day, you know, heat wave and mow your lawn, you're the, you don't need a Corona. You need some water yeah. or some Gatorade or something, right? So you're not doing it for any other reason than you want to escape mm-hmm. and you like the feeling of it being numb and shutting down because maybe you're socially awkward or maybe you hate your boss and you have to go to a dinner party, you know, or a bridal shower you don't want to go to. And it's like, that's the reason that we're even ingesting this to begin with. It's, but yeah. it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make it more fun. You don't karaoke any different. You just don't care how you karaoke, right? Totally. I'm, I karaoke better when I'm sober. I got to say. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's that thing of like, we care too much. We're too anxious. Well, I didn't take shots before job interviews when I was anxious. So how did I do it that time? Yeah. You know, I, if you get clear on why am I doing this? How is this serving me? Do I really need this? Am I trying to fit in? And you just ask yourself some of those simple questions. A lot of it just comes down to wanting to escape and the peer pressure of not wanting to be that one person that's not. Totally. And not wanting to feel the anxiety, the stress, the grief, the anger, the frustration, the all of the things. You know what? I, I had this thought while I was working out this morning and I was like, Oh my God, there's the word motion in emotion, right? So like emotions move through us. There is motion in emotions, which means it's not going to last any of those feelings. I, I promise, Michelle and I promise we have felt them all, right? Yes. You have felt every single feeling sober now. You've been sober for way longer than me. We have felt them all and we are still here we're still standing. We're still sober. Like that didn't kill us. We did it. And you can too, like you can feel those emotions and they will move right through you. They do. They don't last forever. And that's why I tell everybody, it's like, just don't drink right now when you're upset. How about you call me an hour or sleep on it? Yeah. And then you can drink tomorrow and they get up and they're like, I don't want to drink. I'm so glad I didn't drink last night. I'm like, see, you're going to hate me right now. And tomorrow you're going to love me. Totally. (laughs) You know? Because it does, it ebbs and it flows. And if we just sit in the discomfort, I know it's uncomfortable and I know that there's a lot of emotions, 
But it's like those tools that we have, we can surf the urge to engage in self-destructive behavior. What we have the control over might just be sitting in the unknown or the silence, but reacting is just going to cause more problems, right? It's not going to solve anything. It's just going to create a DUI or resentment or whatever else it could possibly do. Yeah. Or at the least like a headache. (laughs) You know what I mean? Even if it's not like something horribly life-changing, it's like, you're going to feel like shit. And so you're going to have this, yeah, you're going to have this emotional turmoil and feel like shit physically. Like I, I, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want that. It's so weird that those are some of the first things that we notice of like, kind of like side effects of alcohol. And it's like, oh, that, that hangover really sucked. Right. And then it's like, people think they sleep better. Oh my God. You don't, you pass out, but you never get into REM sleep. And so you have anxiety, you have a migraine or a headache, you haven't slept well, you're dehydrated. Your skin. Like I yep. cannot believe how much better. I thought my skin was pretty good. I mean, I did, but the redness is gone. Like you don't know it until you take that out. You don't know any of this. Like it's almost like you just don't give yourself a chance until you remove alcohol for an extended period of time, I would say. Like Yes. That's the thing with the 30-day things. I love like dry July, you know, sober October, all of those things. But it does feel like they're doing the hard thing over and over. <laughs> like They are. Right? The first 30 days, I kind of think about it like someone who never runs more than two miles. There's something that happens after you run two miles. You get – you finally get into – like those first two miles of a run are horrible. They suck. They are awful. Mm-hmm. After those two miles, you get into a groove. You kind of just like get into it and it's so much better. But someone who doesn't ever run long enough doesn't get it. And so then these 30-day challenges, I I like that they're introducing people to sobriety. But I'm like, you guys, you just keep doing the hard part over and over and you're not reaping the full benefits. Absolutely. It's like you said, it's so nice to see. I don't care why people are choosing to try it out and test drive it is what I call it. Yeah. But it's like, just do it and see how your body feels because I can tell people all day long, I'll hold up a mirror and I'll tell you that what I'm seeing and what you're showing and displaying, but until you believe it, you're, it's not sustainable until you think that you have a problematic relationship. So those challenges can be good in the sense of what this is doing is creating space in between you and your drug or your vice, right? Yeah. So when you think, I can go seven days, let's just, let's do 14. I want to push it. And they get to day six and they're like, I can't do this. Right. They then realize this is harder than I thought it was. Yeah. I think I need to revisit my relationship with alcohol. And that's the gift that that can give you. So set something up and see if you can keep that promise to yourself. See if you can achieve that goal and, and keep going, right? It's like this thing of, it's not even about motivation. It's about discipline. And you have to show up every single day, small behaviors. I always, and I don't know if this would, this makes sense to you or if you've ever done it, but I'm like, envision who you want to be. Totally. Right? Right. Envision the envision the Michelle of what does she look like? What are, where does she vacation? What does she drink? What do I have to do every single day to be that person? Right? And so it's hydrate my body. It is speak kindly to myself because I'm listening. Mm-hmm. And all of those other, because they all fall into that. I love the Atomic Habit book. I'm sure all of these people have read it. I have not read that yet. How have I not? I, I always see it. I always, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to read that. I, I need to. Okay. It's on the list. Do it. Please. It is probably one of the best personal development books that has struck me in a way that has changed my life forever. Oh good. Okay. And so that's what we do with all daily habits is we just literally, if we do the same thing, a little bit of a glass of wine at dinner and it, it just snowballs into a really amazing traits and behaviors and lifestyle, or it does the opposite. Right. It's either nourishing or it's just going to suck the life out of you. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't have to necessarily take things out of your daily routine. So if you want to go, you know, if you're not ready to cut out alcohol completely, I think sometimes it's motivating for people. And this is what worked for me. As I said, I'm going to start by keeping a promise to myself. And instead of 
consecutively having days because I just couldn't string along a lot of days together. Yeah, I said, I'm going to add something that that future Michelle is going to benefit from. And that is hydration. I could drink three bottles of wine a night, but I could not fathom. And this was the heaviest part of my addiction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It took me a while to get there. But so in the in the mornings for 30 days, I would drink at least eight ounces of water. And you wouldn't believe that that was hard. Okay. In the morning, right when you wake up, like before coffee or like with your coffee, before coffee? Before my coffee. Because then I'm just even more dehydrated because not even drinking, just waking up is dehydrated. Totally. You, know, you, you feel dehydrated. But I did that. And so what I did was I noticed this behavior. If I'm drinking my water, oh, I kind of feel proud of myself. Yes. I haven't decided if I'm going to drink or not, but I'm doing this. And now I think the sun's out. I'm going to go check my mail. Now I'm moving my body. Yeah. That feels good. I'm starting to see the scale move in a different direction. I think I'm going to take that salad over a slice of pizza. And it starts to be like, well, if I'm starting to do good things and I feel better and I'm seeing results, other areas of my life are going to change and they're going to shift for the better. And that's exactly how that aha moment that we were talking about at the beginning, that's what like really kickstarted it for me is let's add things that feel good instead of feeling like you're coming from a place of like deprivation. Like I feel deprived by you taking away my vice, then let's not right now. Yeah. That's such a good like shift in perspective too. And it's, it's those building blocks. It's all about those building, like you don't build anything in a day. You don't. You don't build good habits. You don't you don't build sobriety in a like yeah, I like that. I like that idea of the baby steps. Okay, so what's your favorite mocktail? Are you into mocktails? Are you into NA stuff? This is a question I get all the time and I'm just so boring with this stuff, so Yes, it's, it's it's very controversial in the sober community and the recovery community. So this is an AA thing that's controversial, right? Is it strictly AA that's like, no, it's going to trigger you and you can't do it? Not only. Okay. No. Okay. I think it's it's definitely, you know, it, non-alcoholic beverages are for people who don't have a problem and are not alcoholics. Right. Is what you'll hear a lot of people say. So why pretend to drink something that you're not supposed to be doing? And does that lead to triggers? And is that just like imitating a lifestyle that you no longer live at? Okay. So there's a lot of conversations around that. I think that with the sober curious movement, I think it's been an amazing tool for a lot of people that say, I'm going to do the same thing I do every night, which is have a beer with my husband watching the news. So what I'm going to do is switch the beverage that I have out in my hand. And again, this is taking and moving one, one activity that I have a habit at daily. So I'm just swapping what I have. Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of imitating the same thing, but I'm taking these baby steps. I might drink two NA drinks. Eventually, you're going to be like, I don't even need this anymore because it didn't give me the buzz I was clearly looking for, right? But also, like the fact that there's no ethanol is a plus. <laughs> it, it that's exactly right. It has the benefits, and they have they have gotten so good at like tailoring down the taste, the flavor that you can literally get a margarita that taste the same way, even if it's not a virgin one where they don't put the liquor in, but they have all the replacements, the spirit replacements now where I want to feel special and I want to have chips and I want to go out with my girlfriends and I want to have a margarita. I'm, I'm willing to count these calories tonight because it makes me feel included. It makes me feel special. Yeah. I don't need any other reason. As long as I'm not drinking booze and it makes me happy, totally, I'm going to do it. So vacation, like I just got back from Hawaii and it's like, okay, who doesn't want a pina colada? Or a virgin mojito, right? So it's just yeah. pull out the liquor. It's a heck of a lot cheaper. I don't need the replacement. I don't need the filler yeah. for it. I just, you know, I just want to have the experience. And it just, it felt like something I wanted to do. And it was absolutely delicious. I have no regrets. I don't have, I mean, I get a lot of the stuff brought to me. So I keep it in some of my fridges outside. But, you know, it's like, I'm fine with a mason jar full of tap water or infused fruit you know, or a diet Coke once in a while. I know that's me. Like my sparkling water, like all day long. That's just what I'm drinking. And everyone's like, okay, do you have yeah. anything like more creative for a mocktail? I'm like, no, because I didn't drink cocktails anyway. Like I was not a hard alcohol person. Like I don't like what it tasted like anyway. So I just am not into mocktails, but that's probably what I get asked most often. Like, what's your favorite mocktail? I'm like, 
Sorry, guys. I got nothing. <laughs> it's it's hard. And I always have on rotation, you know, I always default to what did you like to drink before and just take the booze out of it. Yeah. But I'm like, I always have my pina colada, my um, mojito. I have the club soda and lime, cranberry and Sprite. I love the Arnold Palmer's, the half tea, half lemonade. Me too. Have you tried the Spindrift ones? Yes. I have them right now downstairs. They're so good. And they're kind of light, bubbly. Those are so good. Okay, so tell me about your coaching. Tell me about that. Like, So if if somebody's like, hey, I really want to look at my drinking. I want to work with Michelle. How does that work? Yeah. So, um, by day I, in Oregon, I'm an alcohol and drug counselor. So I've been doing that for a really long time. And so what I do virtually as a coach is literally just work with women that are virtual that have the desire to look at their relationship with alcohol and to really honestly meet them where they're at. Again, it's not tell them what they need to do or label them. It's about why are you picking up? that's the stuff that needs to be addressed. And I'm an ally. I'm somebody who is doing this just alongside of you that can see blinders, that can help support you in the direction that you want to go. And so I do that virtually with women and do private coaching. So that they could do like a one-on-one session or, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then usually, I mean, if depending on finances and investment, there's, you know, there's the coaching for longer term, which is usually what happens is they kind of like shift into that once they curated a plan and, and know that this is life changing and they're seeing results. They'll do that. I do have a bunch of workshops that I'm going to be launching that are just around moms and how to get, how to parent better. Right. So that whole parental role, I have things on loving somebody who's struggling with addiction, how to support people, um, you know, how to vacation sober and what that looks like. So there's lots of just downloadable programs that are just like more tailored to whatever that current thing is. And a lot of people aren't ready to have conversations out loud or talk on social media. So this is, I'm really trying to cater to the people like us that have small pockets of time that need something to download, to do independently when they have time to do it. So if you can't go to a meeting or you can't go to a therapy meet, can you do it virtually? you know, or here's a work packet to process. And if you want to connect, let's, let's go over it in a one-on-one session. So I just want it to be accessible and I want it to be relatable to the people that I'm serving. And it's just like podcasts. I think that's the best tool to offer moms because they're in the carpool line. Totally, They're folding laundry, they're cooking dinner. Take that 20 minutes that you have and freaking fill your head full of sobriety because I promise you drinking will never be the same if you continue to stream the education, the science, and the psychology around alcohol, you're not going to want to drink eventually. That's what did it for me when people are like, well, how did you stop? I'm like, I literally just like listened to This Naked Mind and any quitlet and and podcasts that I could get all day long. I had one AirPod in. I think for the first three months of my sobriety. And I was just like unbrainwashing myself as I was going yep. about my daily chores. And then, yeah, you can't look at alcohol the same. You can't, but you were going to meetings is what you were essentially doing, your own kind of meeting. I guess so, right? Yeah. Yep. I guess that's what it is, guys. We're in a meeting. This is a meeting right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yep, God. It is. And that's, that's the pathway. That's whatever works for you. And we don't know until we test it out and we try things. And then we're just like, oh, I guess this is working because I clearly haven't thought about booze for three days or three right. hours. And now I do look at booze like a cigarette. Like when people are like, don't you crave it? I'm like, no, I, like just like I don't crave a cigarette. Like I, I just really don't. I, I think I just deprogrammed myself from whatever the years of nonsense of saying that alcohol was the answer. Now I'm like, oh, that was a big trick. Okay. (laughs) Now I'm up to speed. Exactly. And you're on the other side of that. So like you were saying earlier, where it's like you, we only get to the hard parts when we continuously relapse. Yeah. It's like, how many times do you want to feel this way? And you never have to feel this way again. If we continue to keep pushing through. And if I told somebody you were going to see results on week 10, would you stick with it? How hard would you fight for this? Because that's what's going to happen. And for you, it's in me, it's like, I see poison signs. I see sad yes. juice. That's what wine is to me because I see that my life is better without it. I see that no feeling lasts forever and feelings are not facts. 
But I couldn't learn that until I pushed through the really hard parts of what it's like to be a non-drinker at first. And then it just becomes you're so empowered like you and I that it's like, I'll talk to anybody who wants to hear about how amazing I think it is to be sober. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we will talk to anybody. We'll we'll just spread it out there. We have to. You have to. That, that's yeah. why it, it came to a point that I was like, wait, doesn't everyone know this? Like, I, I need to make sure everyone knows this. All moms know this, you know? It's, it's society's hidden secret. And I, I'm telling you, it is like like you said earlier, it's the fountain of youth. It really, really is. It really is. You guys, all this skincare stuff, and I love skincare. I love all that stuff. But like you can be doing all of that. But if you're going to drink ethanol, mm-hmm. like it's going to mess with it. It's going to come out of your pores. It's going to make, it's going to age you. It's going to mess with your sleep. It literally is destroying our bodies from the inside out. And we think we have to wait until we have like cirrhosis or something horrible to like, oh, now I have a reason I have to stop. Right. It's like, I used to think this isn't affecting my health or my, like my complexion. Yeah. And then I realized, Michelle, when you pass out, you don't brush your teeth. Right. You don't wash your face. You, you keep your eye makeup on. You keep your, yes. I can't tell you the last time I slept with makeup on. I just don't do it because it's my nightly routine. I have my, you know, like eight step nightly routine that I do. And it's not hard when you're not drunk. It's not. It's not. You are. It's absolutely correct. It's like you don't need anything else. If you're drinking the water and you're washing your face and you're getting you're getting rested, it's like there's nothing else. And teeth are important to me. And it's like my teeth. I'm I'm thinking. Oh well, the people I work with, you know, a lot of them struggle with methamphetamines. Well, it doesn't. It's just different. Yeah, you might lose your teeth in a different way with that substance. But I'm gonna lose my teeth if I don't floss them and brush them. Right. It's. It's going to be the same way. Yeah, that's such a look into us not acting how we want to act when we're drinking and we're acting outside of ourselves. And sobriety is really just like a coming home to yourself. And it's like saying what you mean to say, acting how you would always act, like you can always count on yourself to do the things that you would normally do. Nothing's going to get in the way of that. Oh, I love this so much. I could talk about this forever. Um, okay, so tell everybody where we can find you, how they can sign up for your amazing courses, all of that. Yes, yeah, so I um, am Recovery is a New Black on all the social media platforms. I have a private Facebook group for women, um, again, that want to explore their relationship with alcohol. And I love that that's available so that we can have those conversations off a public yes. social media platform onto at least a private social media platform that I have so near and dear to my heart. and regulate the heck out of it to keep it a very safe and sacred space for women. That's great. And then I have the website, which are going to have the, all the downloads on there and uh, like the accessibility to coaching as well. I have a few books that are getting ready to come out by the end of this year. I'm so excited about. Oh my God. That's so exciting. Depending on when this podcast launches or not. I mean, obviously it's, we're in September now and this is. It'll be in like two weeks. So we'll be. Yeah, I know. So it's, um, you know, National Recovery Month, which I have a lot of things planned, a lot of speaking gigs. I'm going to be on the road with Mobilized Recovery and some amazing lineups that are just like, we're talking past presidents. We're talking Gabby Bernstein. I don't know how Michelle got involved in this, but I'm here for it. That's amazing. So um, there's just like, you know, this movement of just, you know, Meta's involved and Google and Microsoft and Boeing and Amazon. They're all helping support this huge mission about ending the stigma around addiction. And it's just like, these are the big players that are like, we're here to support you guys. That's amazing. Do you deserve it? Like so inspiring. I I just love it so much. I'll leave all of those links too in the show notes. You guys can just go to the show notes and click through there. Michelle, thank you so much. I feel like we know each other even better now, even though we've never met in real life, but hopefully one day we will. We will. Yeah, we'll have to for sure make it happen. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for all that you're doing and spreading that message and that that piece of awareness and education because I know that you know this and I hope that you know this is that you have a huge impact as well. Thank you. People are here for it. So keep doing you regardless of whatever anybody else, you know, all the things that we get with social media, it's just, you know what, our service is it's, it's all about purpose over popularity and you have a mission and you have a voice and I'm very, very 
proud of you. I'm very like rooting for you all the time. So I love you to pieces. Oh, thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Why are we doing an ad again? So that we can tell people about brand new information, a pop culture and political podcast. Say it in a way that doesn't sound like game show host. Okay. Do you want to be in a room of overeducated douchebags and feel comfortable? Brand new information is for you. What's it going to take to put you in this podcast today? We have brand new information on sale for free. Free. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. We might not break the political and pop culture news of the week. But we put it right back together for you. That's right. Listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty. Feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us, they have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.